This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm Jody Miller Young, your host. It's a love story between celebrities and their pets. That's the way from the Pound to the Penthouse show creator, Susan Rubin, describes the series a Cinderella like tale of down on their luck dogs and cats, and the larger than life stars who rescue and pamper them. A lot's happened since I first talked to Susan about the show back in 2015 for my blog. A lot of celebrities have rescued their pets and stories abound about them. Susan was early in the game, a rescue warrior whose adopted dog inspired the show. So we're going to take a short break, of course, from our sponsor. But when we return, we'll meet Susan, find out about the celebrities she's talked with whose lives have been touched and changed by the animals they've rescued and discover her newest celebrity interview. So grab that favorite beverage, get comfortable. And we'll be right back. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two. Get one free at Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio, and I'm Jody Miller-Young, your host. If you've just joined... We're going to be talking with Susan Rubin today, creator of the TV show From the Pound to the Penthouse, all about celebrities who've rescued their pets and the stories about how they've changed their lives. Welcome, Susan. Thank you so much, Jody. It's my pleasure. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. So let's get started because I'm sure everybody is interested in hearing about this show and how it came about and some of the celebrity stories that uh, you've discovered. Tell us about, I know your first rescue inspired the show. Tell us about that. So the first dog I adopted was really a spur-of-the-moment thing. and um, We've been there. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and yet it was perfect. It's really true that the, you get the dog you need. So I... Uh, I went out to a place in Long Island and ended up with this funny-looking dog. I thought she was funny-looking. Her story was that she had been a puppy in South Carolina and dumped in one of those extremely high-kill shelters where most of the dogs are euthanized, including puppies, because there's so many puppies who are dumped there. Mm -hmm. And this particular rescue organization and shelter called North Shore sends trucks down to get puppies from the south and bring them back up. So she was adopted, but terribly neglected. So at six months old, she was brought back to North Shore 
with, you know, intestinal disease and um, just all kinds of oh, geez. I think pneumonia and all kinds of oh, my God. little thing. She was, I think, a Collie, Australian Shepherd, German Shepherd mix. Uh-huh. mix. And I had a different dog in mind, different picture, but I knew the character of the dog I wanted and they brilliantly pointed me in her direction, so I adopted her. And she turned out to be extraordinary. Um, What was her name? I named her Speranza, which in Italian means hope. Because at that time, I was going through a lot of grief, and she was my hope. Um, Lovely. And she fulfilled that promise a hundredfold. So how did she inspire the show? So I ended up calling her Mother Teresa in a fursuit. She was a healer in and of herself. If she saw um, an elderly person sitting alone, she would pull me over and she would sit next to them and let them pet her. If we went into someone's house and there was somebody who was sick, she would find them and lay next to them. Wow. Uh, there were kids in the neighborhood, you know, like wild little boys. Five of them would like yell her name and jump on her. She was happy as could be. She just was a healer. And I facilitated that by getting her certified as a therapy dog. So she was a therapy dog for foster children with disabilities, which was heavy. Uh, Some of these kids had um, some heavy stuff going on. Yeah. And she was amazing with them, just amazing. Wow. She also was, with my help, a companion animal or a um, really a therapy dog for victims of 9-11 and also workers of 9-11. Really? Uh, and I saw what she brought to them, actually especially the workers, which was incredible because they gave so much and were really depleted in energy. And she came along and gave them, you know, that compassion that they'd been giving out, and you could, I could see them rejuvenated. And then Aww. they could go back and kind of recycle her compassion that she'd given them back to the people who needed it. So she was incredible. And I realized, and this had a huge impact on me, that this dog twice could have been killed. And she brought so much healing and joy to so many people. She made such a difference. I mean, it wasn't her time. Neighborhood. It wasn't her time. She well, had a purpose. She, right, exactly. And that changed me. That just changed me to, it opened my eyes to the fact that there were all these incredible, incredible animals who could make such a difference with people and they were being killed. So that, then I, I, I couldn't turn back. What made you focus on celebrities? I was a professional photographer, and I did a lot of celebrity photography, and I was very well acquainted with the fact that a lot of people, for better or for worse, really respected what celebrities had to say. And at the time, People Magazine was the top-selling magazine in the world. Uh, Entertainment Tonight was the top show. I think it's even more like that now. So I put two and two together and thought, well, what better way to get across to people that these animals in shelters aren't 
um, misfits who've been thrown away for good reason, um, but in fact are valued by people who could have any exotic breed animal in the world, and yet they were choosing, you know, the one-eyed mutt. Yeah, and yeah. And mutt, and that would, mutt meant more to them than all their Emmy Awards, than their Golden Globes, than yeah. their mansion. That dog made more of a difference in their life and towards their joy than their wealth or their fame. And that's the message I wanted to get across to people. And when I started, because I had a show even before this one, so I started this back in 2005. And the perspective and attitude back then was very different. When I brought it to different executives, they said, well, why would anyone be interested in rescue animals? Yeah, lots changed. A lot has changed. Right, right. Yeah, you were an early you were an early adopter. You were a pioneer. Yeah, literally. The, yes, <laughs> right. hardest for the pioneers. Right, and it's been very effective. Even people, and this is what I wanted. I didn't want to preach to the choir. I wanted people who would only have considered getting a dog from a breeder to see this show, hear people who they'd seen on television and in movies, and say, wow, this dog, this funny-looking dog saved their life, literally saved their life. I think I have to give this adoption thing a look. Yeah, and I want to get into some of those stories, but just to kind of step back a sec about how these celebrities, their one-eyed mutts mean more to them than their Golden Globes and their Emmys. It's very charming and, and sweet, some of these stories that I've read or heard. One of them that always stands out for me is uh, George Clooney. Um, and he's told this many times, but I first heard about it in a book called Old Dogs, about how he was going to meet a Cocker Spaniel and he wanted to make a really, really good impression. So he literally rubbed meat on his shoes to guarantee a great first meeting. And of course it worked. And his black, now even more senior, Cocker Spaniel Einstein has been with him for years. And I just thought that was the greatest thing ever. Um, right. I'm I know that's right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. I'm sure you have heard of stories about what dogs will do. Because, you know, you see, you, you walk through a shelter and some of these dogs are just like jumping on the cages and saying, please pick me, pick me. You just know that's what's going through their minds. So I'm sure you've heard stories about what dogs or potential adopters might have done to get chosen. What's one that stands out for you? Well, first I want to say that um, as far as what dogs will do, what's heartbreaking is that dogs will do anything, yes. anything to get adopted. That's what's so hard and wonderful about going to a shelter is that they are all saying, pick me, pick me, pick me, please. Yeah, they're all in. Um, and there are other dogs, and these are the dogs usually that I adopt, who have given up. And they're actually my favorite. Mm -hmm. Because bringing them back to life is your heart grows 10 sizes bigger when you yes. see that. Yeah. So I, I do want to say that. And if people go to a shelter and they see a little dog looking just numb, 
in the corner of their cage, that's going to be an awesome pet. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But the story that comes to mind as far as what a person, a celebrity did, is Polly Perrette of NCIS fame. And she was actually volunteering at a shelter. And this little chihuahua came in who was just vicious. And no one could get near this, this little girl. She would bite anyone who got near her. <laughs> and so Polly took her on as a project. She loved feisty little chihuahuas. So Was this Cece, her dog Cece? This was Cece. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes, who she has talked about and shown pictures of Cece, mm -hmm. you know, in full growl. And I have met and spent time with Cece. Cool. And um, I am one of the few women she actually seemed to like. So I was honored. <laughs> um, so what Polly did is she spent days just sitting next to uh, Cece's cage. She would toss her treats and look at her, just hanging out. And then she got to a point where she could sit in the cage with her. It was a big cage, even though it was a mm. little dog. Mm -hmm. And she would just sit there and, you know, days and days went by and she would get a little closer and, get, and then be able to look at her. And eventually, Cece ended up in her lap. Mm -hmm. And that is when Polly adopted her. And, of course, Cece is just completely bonded to her. Had she been fostering Cece up to that point or was she going to the shelter every no, day? she was going to the shelter. Okay. Incredible. And and she she was going through a really hard time in her life as well. Well she, this was what you're talking about is before then, which is and actually our conversation about this came about because we were talking about how much our rescues mean to us and how much they've helped us. And I actually shared with her that I recently gone through a bad breakup and that I had been stalked for almost a year and that it was just a terrifying time for me. Wow. Um, and my dog, Speranza, was a healer as always and she seemed to know what was going on and she was just right there for me, just mm -hmm. right there. I felt so safe with her and I remember we would like go outside and sit and just watch things and breathe together you know she would mm -hmm. match my breath and it was amazing and I told her that my mom had said thank God for that dog yeah. and she said thank God for my dogs exactly and that went on to tell me about her ex-husband and a very abusive man who stalked her for for years and really terrorized her. Mm. Um, and she said it, she had to leave her own house and go live somewhere else. And she just grabbed her computer and her dogs and left. Yeah. And she said they took care of her and thank God for them. She doesn't know what she would have done without them. They're emotional lifelines. There's no doubt. That's exactly it. I was just... Yeah. And, you know, there's something else that you mentioned about how Polly handled getting Cece 
more and more comfortable that I think it's really important to talk about for a second. And that is, it's really, really important. I've learned this from trainers and I've learned this from my own experience in rescue. It is really, really important to always let the dog lead. And what I mean by that is it's not a good idea to try and impose yourself on a dog that doesn't know you or that's afraid of you or people going to pet them, going towards them. Those are imposing ourselves on this animal because it is encroaching on their space and that's their safety until they're more comfortable. So the fact that Polly sat with her side facing CC, so that's more non, you know, more non-threatening to a dog, didn't look at her in the face, in the eyes, again, also non-threatening and waited and just threw treats and waited before she took on a little bit more and a little bit more until Cece was ready to come sit in her lap is is great. A lot of people try and force the issue and try and approach a new dog or approach a dog that's afraid um, that they want to develop a relationship with. And it just, it sets you back. I found that even with my dogs, a couple of my rescues who were puppy mill survivors and afraid of, of people. So I think it's really important to, to just point out. Actually, uh, as yeah. you know, I'm a, a certified trainer. and Yes, um, we're going to talk about that. Often, yeah, often what I'm really teaching people is to mm-hmm. actually just listen to what their dogs are telling them. Yes. Through their body language. Mm-hmm. Um you know, really how to listen to see because dogs are telling you what they're comfortable with and what they need. Yes. But what's brilliant about this is dogs teach us how to be better people in relationships with humans. That is so So true. Now we learn how to be more sensitive to people's space and not encroaching on them, and be more sensitive to whether maybe they're acting blustery, like a little dog growling, but in fact they're scared. Right. So we don't get angry uh, that they're being blustery or yelling at us. Because, have more compassion. Right. We can yeah. see the, the, the hurt little animal inside them just like Cece. Yeah. Exactly. You have some incredible stories that you shared in these vignettes of From the Pound to the Penthouse. And one of them that, you know, also was very poignant and really powerful, that one thing that she said, but I'll I'll let you get to that, was Danielle Staub, who was on Real Housewives of New Jersey. You know, we all know that sexual abuse is a huge topic in the news the past couple of years. And Danielle, this is what her story was about and how her little rescue dog was a lifeline to her. Um, Tell us that story. Share that story. Yeah, when she was a little girl, you know, probably around second, third grade, her mother remarried, so stepfather came in. And she had a uh, actually a Chihuahua Terrier rescue named Susie. And... The tragic thing is that her stepfather started sexually abusing her. So he would come into her room late at night and force her into these things. Mm-hmm. And little Susie seemed to know what was going on. So she hid under the bed right next to Danielle's hand. And as 
these horrors were going on, Danielle would pet Susie. So she wow. knew. It's enough to, to break your heart. There for her. Yeah. And she said, that little dog saved my life because it, if it wasn't for her, I would have killed myself. Oh, my God. But wow. she wasn't alone. Susie was there with her, and that made the difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. Incredible. You know, I yeah. just want to say that celebrity after celebrity who I have interviewed has said that the dog or cat that they rescued has saved their life. And mm-hmm. there, are, there are other incredible stories. And they so get very intimate with you in terms of how they let you in. I mean, just to, I don't mean to bunch their stories together, but these tough guys like Ed Asner, you know, and Mickey Rourke and Eric Roberts, they become so vulnerable and even tender talking with you about their rescues. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, briefly, Ed Asner, who's, you know, a famous curmudgeon. Yes. He said... Mary um, Tyler Moore Show. I mean, he's an icon. Yeah. Right. He said, animals are my relief. So he he doesn't tolerate fools gladly. And he, he really, he can get discouraged by people and what they do to this earth and to each other. But his cats are his resource, his emotional resource. And, and rejuvenator. So exactly. Mm. Exactly. And uh, Eric Roberts famously was in a terrible car accident where he was in a coma for, um, I think, close to a month. And when he got out, he had trouble walking and talking. And he said for some reason, he was moved to adopt a cat. So he, he went to a nearby shelter and adopted this white cat. Well, as he was convalescing, he said this cat, who knew that he had saved her life, decided she was his mother. Oh, my goodness. So she would go every day and find some little critter, I don't know, a mouse or a groundhog or whatever, and bring it to him. Very proudly, like, here's your breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) And... He said she did this every morning for a year. So, <laughs> oh my God, that's a lot of animals. He said, right, she said, I don't know how she found them all, but she did. And he said she took care of him. And the doctor said he would not be able to regain full neurological function because he really couldn't speak. He forgot how to speak or he, the, his brain was damaged from the trauma. And he acknowledges her as being the um, the source of him being able to, in record time, according to the doctors, regaining full function, physical, you know, walking, talking, recall, everything. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. And then Mickey Rourke, famously, he's talked about this, but at the lowest point in his career and life, uh, he was going to kill himself. He was planning on it. And he said as he was planning it, he looked down and one of his little chihuahuas, I think it was Loki, just looked up at him like like the pup knew what he was thinking and, mm. and just letting him know you can't leave us. 
you can't wow. leave me. Wow. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it because he had this little guy. Yeah. I love that he has chihuahuas. I mean, yeah, yeah. he is like he, the ultimate tough guy. I know. And he <laughs> what is he like? What was, what was he like to spend some time with and talk to? You know, obviously, well, Eric Roberts and Mickey Rourke are buddies. Um, okay. They've been buddies since the Pope of Greenwich Village, which they did, you know, eons ago. And they're both just classic. I mean, Mickey Rourke is exactly how you'd think he was, just like Ed <laughs> Asner is how you think he was. And, and Mickey Rourke and, and Eric Roberts like the tough, cool guys. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's they, incredible. Melt, they melt around their animals. Yeah. They melt. Yeah. You will see photos, those of you listening, of the celebrities with their animals. And you'll see how Eric is kind of cozying up cheek to cheek with his cat and Mickey with those little, those little babies um, and the look on his face. Um, it's just, it's really, really lovely. Animals are definitely icebreakers and connectors between strangers. And all you have to do is look at all the people that are fellow animal lovers that you've met on Facebook and feel like you've known a hundred years, even if you've never met them. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we are going to take a short break right now, but when we return, we're going to hear about Susan's newest celebrity interview and you're going to want to hear all about that. So don't go away. Refresh that beverage, get cozy and we'll be right back. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back, right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. And we're talking today to Susan Rubin, creator of the show called From the Pound to the Penthouse about celebrities who have rescued and how these rescues have changed their lives. Susan, you recently did an interview with Prince Lorenzo Borghese of the famous Borghese family, who is, in addition to a prince, an absolute bona fide rescue warrior who created his Animal Aid USA organization years ago, bringing dogs from the south up north for rehabilitation and adoption. He walks the walk. He puts his money where his mouth is, and we got to give him props for that. Tell us about what you learned from talking with Lorenzo that we may not know about him and about what he does. Well, I already knew Lorenzo, so I already knew that I would say even if he wasn't a prince, he is a prince. Yes, <laughs> he's, he's a, prince a prince for the animals. That's for Yeah. Sure. 
So again, the thing I learned is here is a man who is, he's not just a prince. He's an Italian prince, and he's not just an <laughs> Italian prince. He is of the lineage of one of the most famous royal families in Europe. You know, he comes from wealth. He comes from incredible culture. He has his own successful businesses. He was on The Bachelor, um, you know, and, and he's been in an, stars of other TV shows. Um, he's very handsome. And what means the most to him in his life, and I can definitively say this, dogs. Yeah. Definitely dogs, more than anything. I think if you took the most beautiful woman in the world, because he has dated some of the most beautiful women in the world, and you put next to him, like the dog that was in our interview, who is a 97-pound, one-year-old bulldog mix, with all the grace of a bull in a china shop, and <laughs> he would pick her, <laughs> the, yeah. the bulldog. So when you meet him, what he really brings home is how much meaning saving these the lives of these dogs brings him, how much fulfillment. He certainly doesn't have to spend so much time and money doing this. He has wonderful things in his life. He has a really close family, great relationship with his family. You know, whoever, whatever beautiful woman he would like in his life, success, wealth, et cetera, et cetera. And the thing that I can absolutely say that means the most to him is saving the lives of these dogs. It brings him so much joy. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. He's really devoted to it. And I hope that says so much to people. I hope people understand because this is a pragmatic guy. He's not actually a softy. He's a softy with dogs, but in general, not. And yeah. Not I've in a bad that way, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's a worldly person. Very. So the fact that this has been what's really brought the fire in his life just says a lot for what these animals can can and do bring to you. And that's really what I want to get across with the show. That's why I created the show was for the viewers to understand, the viewers who haven't previously adopted an animal that rescue animals bring a meaning and a joy to your life, that wealth, fame, admiration, all of that never will. And that rescue pets, all animals are wonderful. And I don't belittle or bemoan anyone who has gone to a breeder. Dogs are awesome. Cats are awesome. They're amazing to have in your life. And with people who haven't adopted uh, a pet don't know, is that rescue pets are very special and unique because they know how bad life can be and therefore they bring a a gratitude, a devotion, a no matter what love to the relationship with you that's more profound and at the same time less complicated than any other relationship you will have. So true. And that's why the the people I interview, in one way or another, all acknowledge their rescue pets for having saved their lives. 
So, so true, Susan, and beautifully said. In your interview with Lorenzo, any fun, cool stories that he shared that you'd want to share with us? I don't know that he had. He did say that the first dog he ever had uh, was really the love of his life. I think her name was Belle. She's yeah, yeah, lab. the black lab. Yeah. And he said that after she passed away, he really couldn't bear to to adopt another dog. Has he, he still to this day not, not adopted another dog? No, I mean, but what he told me is that just recently mm-hmm. there was um, this little white fluffy dog totally different than Belle. Belle was this big black lab and he just felt such a connection with her and she was very, very sick. But he he said to himself, if she lives, I'm adopting her. And sadly, she did not live. But he told this story as uh, an example of how you really don't know what dog you're going to connect with. It's like my my story with Speranza. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had this image of a um, a Doberman Pinscher. That's the kind of dog I wanted. And there was a female Doberman Pinscher there. And she well, couldn't care less about me. She didn't even like women. She only liked men. And so mm-hmm. instead, I got this funny-looking, like, really fluffy, furry dog. And yeah. you just she, you I adored her. She was awesome. And so you don't always, the dog who comes into your life or the cat isn't necessarily the one you imagined, but they're wiser. They know what you need. Mm. It's a, I'm, and I'm not metaphysical and I don't know about reincarnation or any of that, but this is the most through dogs I've come to, uh, to really respect kind of mother nature, the wisdom of, of nature. And that the dog with the right energy comes to you if you allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's another really beautiful thing in adoption because often if you adopt, people who are really smart will choose to adopt a dog who's not just a young puppy. So you really know what you're getting because their personality is more developed. And so they see you. They really see you. Mm-hmm. And they know what they can bring to you. And Absolutely. That's not, anthrop- that's not anthropomorphizing, however you pronounce it. It is really true. They are incredibly sensitive. And, I mean, they can smell chemical changes in your body. They can smell cancer cells. They know. Yeah, they are. They are incredible, incredible beings. And, you know, we can't say enough about, yeah, about rescue and senior rescue and rescuing the one who needs the most help. And that actually leads me to my next question, um, because unfortunately, we have to say goodbye soon. But you are a dog trainer. And, you know, sometimes, especially if you no, I'm not going to say especially, but sometimes when you bring a dog into your family, and this could be a rescue, this could be a dog that you've purchase from a breeder. That dog, all dogs need training and we train with boundaries and love. And some dogs need more training than others. And some dogs are returned to said breeder or shelter because the pet parent just can't get a handle on getting past 
whatever it is that animal is doing that they can't live with. You're being generous with people. A lot of times, they're just too lazy. They think it's going to be easy, and a dog is kind of like an animated soft toy. And once it's actually work, because it's a living creature, mm-hmm. and it's a very smart creature, not unlike a two- or three-year-old, exactly. oh, work, and they dump the dog. Right. So instead of asking what's wrong with the dog, they should ask what's wrong with the people that dumped the dog. This is so, so very true. But for the people whose heart is in the right place and does, they do want to make it work and they are willing to do some work, I mean, what's probably the most important things that a pet parent can do to ensure success when training? The most important thing is to have someone in your life, hire someone who can help show you what the dog is trying to tell you or what the cat is trying to tell you. And, and how teach to you let tools. the dog or cat know what you want. Mm-hmm. Because that's really the biggest problem. People think they're letting their pet know what they want or what's expected, or they think the dog or cat should just somehow know, but they don't. And they're also not reading what the dog or cat is telling them that they need and aren't getting Mm -hmm. to be able to give the person what they want. So once that communication, once they understand how to get across very clearly to the dog what they want from the dog, the dog is almost always very happy to do that. They want to please because they don't want to be on the outs. Right, and they have the positive reinforcement to reinforce when they're doing what the pet parent wants them to do, right? So... Right, right. And even with um, a dog, let's say, who's a teenager, which is like seven, eight, nine months, who are testing boundaries just like human teenagers, uh, there's still an understanding of what they need, which just like with teenagers, is very strong, clear boundaries. Mm-hmm. That as they're testing the boundaries, they understand where the boundaries do not give. Right. And that actually gives them a sense of safety, and then they're all the more connected to you. They not unlike so... children, human kids. Well, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's very similar in I a lot of ways. That, I do that all the time, and I can't tell you how many people say, could I hire you to train my kids? <laughs> Well, on that note, Susan, we do have to go. Our time's up, unfortunately, because I'm so enjoying talking with you. you. You've really been so thoughtful and you've come from the heart. Please tell people where they can find From the Pound to the Penthouse. They can find it several places. From the Pound to the Penthouse used to be on um, JLTV, Jewish Life Television. That it is, has now been sold to another company, so they can go to... YouTube, the YouTube channel from the pound to the penthouse, mm-hmm. and they'll see many of the webisodes there. Uh, you can just Google from the pound to the penthouse, and it will come up. Uh, you can also go to www.susanrubinproductions.com. That's my website, and, and there's a link uh, to the show there. Uh, Rubin is R-U-B-I-N. So those are the two best places, but I'm are sure there places? have a link to all these places as well. 
Right. Are there places on social media for people to find you in the show? Yes. Facebook. I have a page from the pound to the penthouse. On Twitter, it's New Leash on Life. And underneath that, it says from the pound to the penthouse. And then also on Instagram, there's my name, Susan Rubin. And underneath that, it's pound to penthouse. So all of those uh, places. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Susan. I so appreciate you coming on. You're very, very welcome. And I hope people will look because I have all kinds of incredible people, including a new Trump (laughs) celebrity um, who who has, because of his wife, Eric Trump, is actually becoming an animal lover and is rescuing dogs, which is incredible. and, And that really shows you how people can change and how animals can change people. Are you saying you have an interview with Eric Trump? Yes, I have an interview with Eric and Laura Trump, who actually I, I was introduced to by, uh, by Lorenzo Borghese. Yes, and um, Laura is actually advocating in Washington for animal rights. Amazing. Well, for those yep, of you listening yep. who are who are Trump fans and for those who are listening who are curious about how Eric and Laura got involved in animal rescue, head over to From the Pound to the Penthouse and check it out. That sounds like something I'm definitely going to do. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Susan. And thank you all for listening. Uh, thanks to our producer, Mark Winter. Mark, you make us sound like geniuses and we love you for it. My passion is living stylishly and animal rescue. So tune in next time to discover the designers, home decor, styles, and rescue stories I love. And don't forget to visit me at BarkAndSwagger.com we will find great fashion, shelter stories, and more. So until next time, when fierce fashion calls, bark and swagger. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.